Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice flooring podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. With me, as always, in the panic room is Michael Roberts, GM of Clever Choice. How are you, mate? Oh, feeling uh, nice and relaxed this that's, morning. That's a lie. Well, I did my first session of CrossFit yesterday, uh, probably the first <laughs> bit of exercise I've done in about five years. So it was, it was actually interesting that I was actually nervous yesterday mm. in the thought of going and exercising, even though I know it's what I need, mm. tipping the scales over 100 uh, kilos. So had a good look at myself and realized there's more to me than just this. There's more to you than just the way you look. Just the way I look. I've always known that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I went down to CrossFit gym at Yatla yesterday. Had a nice. Shameless plug. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, new that, sponsor? New sponsor. Maybe. Maybe. We might have look to get him on. Look at that guy. Anyway, enough about you. Uh, let's get to the important people. Uh, we've got Emma Griffiths joining us from CVT Flooring in Lilydale. Lilydale, apparently the gateway to the Yarra Valley. <laughs> How are you, Emma? How are you, Emma? Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. And look, just before we went to air, uh, we've got a bit of a podcast pro here. Emma used to have her own podcast, so she might teach us a few lessons today. Hopefully. Yeah. I yeah, need probably some help. in what not to do. So yeah. Yeah. I need some help, please. Yeah. And um I also need some help, as we all know. <laughs> well, we, we can't open that can of worms, Michael. We yeah. can't open that can of worms. So Emma, thanks so much for joining us. It's uh how's the weather down there in, in Victoria at the moment? It is cold. We had a few little hints of spring. We uh we got above 16 degrees for a week and then it plummeted again. So I think wow. it's about 10 degrees, the peak oh, of gosh. the day. We've, well, I won't, I won't gloat, but we've experienced our two weeks of winter here on the Gold Coast and it's, it's back to normal here. Yeah. Had to put uh, some pants on. About 23, 24. <laughs> predicting 30 tomorrow. Yeah, it's oh, getting up there. Out. Yeah, summer's about to start. Yeah. I've had a chuckle at the Australian ski season this year. Have you seen much of – what they're constituting an Australian ski season this year. Incredible. I, see, I saw some photos from Mount Buller recently, which looked like a muddy paddock. Yeah. Like wow. there are guys, I saw some videos of guys snowboarding on grass, like going that, yeah, that it's in, there is no snow. Really? It's, it's, I've never seen it like that. Yeah. Surprising because it's been really wet and really cold, but just not snowmaking weather apparently. Yeah. A lot of rain. I think it's washed a lot of the, whatever snow mm. there is has been washed away, but. Mate, Perisher looks just barren. I haven't seen much of Threadbow, but Perisher looks terrible. Yeah, the Victorian ski fields, which are usually like a bit of a go-to, they're struggling as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's so expensive too. I had a mate of mine just pop down there. It cost them like $8,500 for five days. You'd be it's, bitterly disappointed. Mate, spending that and not being able to do anything. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's, a, it's, a tough, it's, a tough, it's a tough season. Yeah. It's a tough season, isn't it? Like you got to actually hope that there is a good dump of um, snow because, yeah, a lot of people are booking in advance, investing, you know, their year's worth of earnings yeah. on this one holiday. Here's my tip. Just go to Japan. It'll cost about the same amount of money and you have guaranteed snow. 
Yeah. It's cleaner and more organised as well. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Just go to Japan. My list. Just go in February, four and a half metre base, snow every day. It'll be the well, best trip of your life. We booked a ski trip with the kids for COVID year, so 2020, which got cancelled. Yeah. Um, and in the peak of all the disappointment, my husband said, don't worry, kids, we'll take you to Japan. I'm like, will, will, will we? <laughs> They've yeah, not start- forgotten. Yeah, no, they won't. Oh, we've been twice. I went once just with my wife and we went in 2018 with the two kids Yep, and a couple other families. It was unreal. Jeez, it's good. It's so good. Yeah? Yeah, it's such a great country. So you're a skier or a snowboarder? Mate, I cut sick on the snowboard. Really? Yeah. I could imagine. Oh, I'm pretty snap, gnarly. Same. <laughs> I'm pretty gnarly, dude. Like yeah. I, I, I own it. And, and there's nothing better than having a, a plus 120 kilo guy hurtling down the ski slope, having no idea what he's doing. Uh. I, I am more panicked about what I'm the damage I'm going to do to other people, yep. not how much I'm going to hurt myself. So I'm pretty soft, to be honest. I, I'm just very careful. Oh, very just gliding there. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a compassionate snowboarder. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm fearing for the other people. I struggled just to get off the uh, chairlift. I've had my trouble, my struggles <laughs> on that as well. I've had my struggles on that as well. I find that actually harder than getting down the mountain. Did you see that the chairlift that fell off oh. down at um, no. Perisher? A chairlift fell off. There were three people on it and chairlift fell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, bad, hey? Yeah. yeah. Scary. <laughs> There's so many things that there's no, which is actually super scary. But what we should probably talk about is, you know, something that's a bit more sure underfooting yes. than, than snow and, and grass. And that's obviously what we're here to talk about, which is flooring. Now, Emma, down there at CVT Flooring, how'd you get into the, how'd you get into the industry? Tell, tell us a little bit about Emma. Accidentally, I accidentally got in. To be honest, it wasn't a <laughs> life plan. It wasn't an ambition. I didn't sit sit down with a pen and paper and go, "Okay, here's what I want to do with my life." Childhood um, dream. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mum, I want to grow up and be in flooring. No, <laughs> hybrid, hybrid. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was the one inv- that invented hybrid as a child? Though this would, oh, <laughs> yes, that's this it. would be a different situation. Mm. But we'd um, be on your podcast. You'd be living yeah, in exactly. Japan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was in an education back. Come from an education background, so um, adult education and training in the vet sector, and then slowly transitioned over to interior design and I needed an office as that business took up um took off and Trent my brother who's a carpet layer had a showroom and he had a little bit of an office going on so I took over so I'm the big sister in this dynamic I took (laughs) over the business (laughs) came in and I was like oh if you consider doing this we don't have any of this and he's like whoa 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 where did this we come from (laughs) (laughs) uh so got a whole bunch more supplies on board um Upgraded the showroom, gave it a real design touch. Yeah, oh, you can say the female touch. Yeah, made made him yeah. the silent partner and just off I went. He, he does. He, we did say he's the one person that listens to this podcast. He's going to enjoy this. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I reckon Thanks, he was Trent, sitting there one day idea. thinking, yeah. I'm sure I had a shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I had a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. I, I think. But I think, in all honesty, I think if you talk to most men, sometimes we just want someone to take over. Yes, you know what I mean. Like sometimes it's like we just need that. Yep. And I'm a bit that way. I'm. A, if you've got great ideas, then be my guest. I'm happy to just go and do the work. 
You know, you be my guest, take yeah, over. Yes. I'm not sure whether your brother was like that, but. <laughs> there was no resistance, absolutely no resistance. Yeah, see, so. there we go. Yeah. And there, but I'm sure every three months he reminds you, you know, it never used to be like this. <laughs> yeah, but the other the other 11 weeks and, and six days, he's like, this is the best ever. Yeah. yeah. yeah he did say yeah. to me recently, remember when I used to tell you about flooring and now, like, you have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> again, again. We've got to stick to our skill sets. We're very simple, <laughs> men in general, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. We, know, we just know your role. Yeah. Know your role, son. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so it was accidental. Uh, so you were in interior design before? Yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that. So how does that work in, because we have spoken to a couple stores where, and again, family business, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're just one of the other family businesses in the flooring industry. We've we've spoken to another couple that that have had businesses that have had interior design elements in their shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olivia down at uh, yeah. Thomastown. Yeah. So, how does that work? Is it the perfect match? It is the perfect match. I think it is the perfect match. Um, so we had no retail experience in flooring either. We haven't worked in other stores. We're making it all up as we go. So, we've really kept the customers and clients in mind when we've made every decision about how the process should work and we've not actually brought in any subconscious bias from the industry at all, which absolutely drives people like you nuts at times because I don't just do what everyone else does and um, the contractors sometimes get a bit frustrated at me. But keeping the customer at the forefront sort of informs every decision that we we make. We've set out the showroom a little bit differently. So we have complete custom stands. So it's really um, well designed, lots of breathing room between each product, which means each product in the showroom is its own hero piece. We work with brands that, because we are family owned and independent, we choose who's in the showroom, right? So we've got a need, we fill the need with the best product. There's no obligation to go with a, a certain product. I've, I look at colours and specs now, but initially he was Trent was quality control, um, yep. would tell me all the things I needed to know. So it was 100% based on aesthetics and durability. We've got the sustainable uh, focus in the back of our minds always as well. Like we don't see the point in putting down a floor that's going to last two, three years and then end up in landfill. Yeah, if exactly. we could have helped the customer make a more informed decision and get them 15, 20, 30 years out of their flooring. So, yeah, everything's interior focused. Um, We sort of map out blinds and curtain choices. We do carpet choices. We do hard flooring. No matter what they come in for, the customer will walk away with a colour scheme for paint and everything, bring the whole room together. So that really increases the customer confidence and we've found yep. that it shortens the dis- the time between initial contact and going ahead when they've got that confidence that it's all going to come together well. I think that's very interesting what you're saying there. Um, you know, watching a bit of the block at the moment, I don't sort of get too involved in all the social aspect of it, but I do like the Sunday reveal and just watched that the other night. And they're not just putting a floor in or they're not just putting a kitchen in. Like when they're doing a room, they're designing the whole room. Um, and it's very interesting that you say that that's what you guys do. Like you look at the window furnishings, you're looking at the colors, you're looking at the flooring, um, because ultimately that's what they want. They want that feeling, you know, in the home that, that, um, I guess they came in looking for. 
Definitely. And uh, the block was one of the sort of inspirations or jumping points for the whole concept of what we do. Everyone wants to feel like they're on the block for the day. Yes. So if we can offer that experience in the showroom, then we're providing good customer service and a a point of difference to the other stores. So that was something that we tried to work to, to give everyone the feeling that they are on the block and they do get to bring a whole room together or a whole house together. Um, And I'm there as their personal designer, helping them during that process, um, rather than just coming in and picking from a rack of 45 different grey carpets. (laughs) Well, I know know from my perspective that if I could go somewhere where it's a one-stop shop and they can actually design the room and give me the options rather than having to get my wife to go to Bunnings and pick out 50 different colours and pull them up against the thing and me go, yeah, I like it, yeah, I like it, yeah, I like it, yeah, I like it, and then she just makes a decision anyway. But to have someone map me through the whole thing and mm. design the room, like that, that's a massive point of difference. That's And explaining why you like it as well. Because you look at things and you know you like them, but why is it that you like them? Why, do, yeah. why does that work and the other one doesn't? So try and try and explain that. So if they do leave the store and then choose a different paint colour, they have that knowledge to make an informed decision. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the key. I think it's the, it's the education as mm-hmm. to why the decisions are being made, why you've chosen that, why you've done this. I think that's really key. And I think you're right, giving, giving the client the power you know, because if they do make the, a different decision, well, you've done everything you can. Yeah. So it's it's then it's on them. They can't come back and go, oh well, you know, yellow was the choice I went with, and why doesn't yellow work with with red curtains? Right. It's just yeah. You know, because it, it looks like a freaking McDonald's restaurant, right? <laughs> um, but even McDonald's don't fit out their shops with red and yellow. Not right? anymore. No. <laughs> How good were they when they were though? Yeah. It was you good. could sit on the bench with Ronald. It was amazing. <laughs> on the sw- those really hard plastic swingy chairs. Yeah, the yep. hamburger. Yeah, you, know, you sit on the, the 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 cheeseburger chairs. Yeah, right. The stools, mate. They were the best. And it's not easy. Like you know, I know that I've got no sense of vision when it comes to being creative. You know, I know what I want. Hang on, hang on, Emma. So we're uh, recording this. Now, this is a very important statement for my meeting that I'm having with Michael this afternoon. So I may okay. play this back. So we heard this here. Now continue, Michael, go. So I know what I want and I know what the end picture looks like. Right, okay. I just don't know how to get there. Right. Right. Well so, said. Well said, Michael. So we can keep that for the recording for this afternoon uh, when we're in our planning meeting. But my point being is, you know, it isn't like you walk into a, a, a shop or a flooring shop or, you know, an interior design shop and you think you know what you want. You're like, oh, I like that colour of flooring. But it might not match with your mm. tiles or everything else. So even though you've picked a beautiful floor, it doesn't work in the environment. And I guess, you know, that's what, what you bring, Emma, is someone that can have that experience and give that uh, education uh, and advice. Would that be right? Definitely. Because other than if you take away the education component of it, you just have emotion. Yep. And that's really hard to put language on. or logic on so if you take that away and you are just flying on emotion when you're making these really big design choices for your home um, you do get a little bit unstuck and you lose the the focus and you if you can't put language on it you can't refine your choices later on and you can't remember those logic 
steps when you're buying your couch and you, that's that's where the, the overall design falls under. So, yeah, putting language to that and taking away some of the emotion helps build the confidence in the customer and also helps them go forth and bring a whole room together. So so you said you accidentally took over your brother's shop mm, yeah. to get into the flooring industry. Uh, so did you fall, did you just fall into uh, interior design or was that a passion you always had? No, that's something that I've always done. So <laughs> So we we asked the same question to uh, to Olivia. Did it start at a young age? Like it were did. you re- redoing your bedroom? Was it like stuff that you would do that your mother would like, "Ah, Emma, stop it." Uh, but so it's it's something you've had it's been inside Absolutely. forever. Yeah. Forever. So when we were kids, um, dad's a qualified carpenter and we lived in our family home out in the Arrow Valley and it was my great, great granddad's home. He moved in there when he was a boy um, wow. and dad was renovating the house for the entire time we were there. Standard um, so carpenter. Just, <laughs> yeah, Standard exactly, carpenter. exactly. Yeah. So just uh, watching walls come down and spaces change and a bedroom become a staircase and a bathroom and all of these things sort of just became normal and the I never had the limiting belief that the way your house was was the way you had to live and yep. I was never fearful of taking down a wall or or whatnot because I knew that it could be rebuilt and you could get better so that was the big motivator like just not settling for what you have because it's the way it is. Like you can change everything. Um, Obviously there's load-bearing walls and whatnot before anyone comes at me, but yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like if there's a a possibility, then like it it can be done. If you're not happy with something, then that there is the problem and it can be changed. So it's it's more than just colours. It's like what you said, it's also changing the layout of the room. Yep. Uh, knocking walls out and, you know, again, having that vision of something yeah. more grand or greater than what it already is. Just improving quality of life. So I used to feel a bit guilty about interior design, thinking it was superficial and just based on aesthetics. Yep. But the more and more I do and the more feedback I get and the, the, the longer it is between these client jobs finishing has come back to me in two, three years' time and they're like, oh, like I just, I remember when you first said to me, were we an art family? And um, and we said, no, we didn't like art. We don't have art on our walls, but you changed the lighting in our house and now we are art people. And our, our corridor isn't just a corridor anymore. It's an art gallery where we watch the children grow and develop. Like wow. you changed that for us. We now appreciate that space more. So just doing little things to change the way people interact with their spaces and the homes and get the most out of out of that is... Super rewarding. Yeah, I was going to say, it must be very rewarding. to. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I'm a bit like Michael in regards to my home where I just see it for what it is and there's lots of stuff that I go, oh, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that, but I, I don't really get it. Like I don't, mm. I don't look at something and go, well, this could be that. Mm. And that must be a real powerful thing to be able to go, you see a space and you know the potential that it has, but to be able to communicate that to the client and change and change their lives, which is what you're effectively doing, yeah. must mm. be very rewarding. It certainly is. It's also um, a bit of a curse. Like it is amazing to be able to walk into a room and just know based on a five-minute conversation what the actual problem is with that space, um, whether it be balance because all of the furniture is pushed to one side of the room and then they've got an open space. but 
knowing that they enjoy that open space. So what can we do? Maybe we can move the window to make the the whole space feel more balanced so they feel more at ease in the space. So knowing how to solve those problems really quickly is an absolute like it's it's amazing. I love that. I love being able to offer the clients that. But on the other side of that is I don't ever enjoy a holiday. <laughs> Because I go into the spaces that I can't change and notice all the problems with them and then sit there and think about all the possibilities and what I'd do if I could and all the paint colours I'd change and, yeah, just hard to relax in spaces if I can't Do you leave any notes? Do you leave any notes on the dining room table? (laughs) Yeah, on the Airbnb review. (laughs) Just like, look, just if you were thinking, you know, love Emma. Yeah. Right, you know, love Emma. You know, three star review, but I would change the paint <laughs> yeah, color. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you could get a five star review if you did this. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> the rug was too small for the yeah. sofa. Yeah, that must be tough. That must be tough. It's interesting how I never even thought about the way you just said, even just lighting, um, and how instead of lighting up a picture on the wall, you're lighting up your family's life. Yeah, you know, it's such a different um, aspect of thinking that. You know, it didn't even really relate to me uh, or, yeah. you know, trigger. But now it's actually triggering feelings like, wow, you know, I, uh, my wife the other night was talking about getting these lights in the house and Sons of Sparky was spoken about. Like, yeah. Let her do and, it. And I, <laughs> uh, I didn't articulate, you know, what she was, you know, I just thought she just wants lights and wants my son to come around and that's going to cost me a lunch or yeah. beer or whatever. But yeah, to actually hear you articulate it into the way that, you know, your home is your art form, mm-hmm. or is your art. Um, your home is the only place you can fully express who you are. I mean, if you've got a happy, safe home, then yeah. that is that is the spot where you get to be 100% you. Um, and it really does make me sad that everyone just chooses grey and white because <laughs> Scandi's on trend. Like, that's yeah. not what you actually want. That's just yeah. what feels safe. Yes. Yeah, so just a question. Do you need to fill every blank space on your wall? No, you shouldn't fill every blank space on oh, your walls. Oh, good. I'll get Megan to listen to this one. <laughs> Megan can um, listen to this one. Well, it's about creating balance. Yeah. So you need to have, um, yeah, it's called negative space. There needs to be a balance with negative and positive spaces on the in the, in the room overall and thinking about your ceiling also as a, as a, as a canvas and how to create balance. So if you've got a lot of um, doors and openings, then maybe you do need to um, have a lot more negative space down the hallway, but what can you do to fill it? Because bland is definitely boring, but would you be better off having small artwork rather than large-scale artwork? Would you be better having a spotlight that's bouncing on the wall or a, a wall sconce that's providing a practical lighting solution but also filling up some space but in a really soft way? Um, so there's lots of different ways to bring the balance to the home that serves practical problem solving as well. But yeah, no, you don't need to fill every, Thank every you. space. Thank you, Emma. but you can paint your color, your walls a different color as well. So having yeah. having a pink wall or a blue wall or something wall that doesn't have any artwork or lighting on it, it it's maybe not as sparse as it was. Yeah. Right. Okay. So just a coloured wall is a feature. Yeah. 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 Or, or paint all the walls. Have a whole coloured room. <laughs> yeah. I always wow. think feature walls are feature walls are amazing because you've chosen the thing that you love the most because it's the feature. You want to highlight it. Yeah. But what was stopping you wrapping it around every wall? It was it's just the fear that it's not going to look good. 
just confidence is the only difference between someone that would wrap the whole space and someone that has a feature wall. So I've got a feeling that Emma's a little edgy. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I've got a feeling. Thanks for pulling it edgy and not unhinged. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's we edgy. consider it here. I think because I think you're right. I think because trends is an interesting word. Mm. Yep. Because I think that we can get suckered into trends. Mm-hmm. And by definition, and I'm just going to make my own definition of the word trend here. Go for it. Uh, it's a fleeting it's a fleeting moment of popularity. It is. Right? So you might have something that is on trend in 2023, but by mm-hmm. 2025, it's not the trend. Or by the end of 2023, it's not yeah. the trend. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so you've got large scale trends and you've got like micro trends as well that happen. Yeah. Um, so our last large scale trend has been the Scandi look. So yes. they're really, yeah, soft timbers, white walls, grey furniture. That's on its way out. Open plan living, also quite a trend that's starting to shift as well. And then you've got your smaller trends that might be um, like geometric shapes on plaster hanging in the on as an artwork or <laughs> look at if you look at Kmart, this is some someone's gonna have a problem with this. If you look at Kmart to see trends, it's, it's the trends are already gone. By the time it can get through development and out right. the other end of a large scale manufacturing um network, the trend yep. has gone. You've missed it. So yeah. So Rattan's not in anymore. They're gone. Yeah, right. But those classics <laughs> though, they'll always be there. Like natural yep. elements in a home will always always be desired um, because it, it's soft and organic and it's what we want to see. Like our the squirrel brain, as I like to call it, will always crave items like that. But decking out every room with the, the rattan furniture just because it was on trend, that's a way to date a home really quickly. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I find that I'm interested to discuss about how you navigate those trends, how you mm. navigate, uh, like, do you find your role is to, I know your role is to educate, mm-hmm. but do you find sometimes that you you need to change people's minds? Yes, or are absolutely. You there? Yeah, okay, good, good. Because <laughs> yeah. I would find that some, some interior designers would be like, well, we'll just give them what they want and we'll just make that work because that's the path of least resistance, right? Yep. And at the yep. end, they're going to be happy. But are they going and, to be happy long term? So yes. how do you navigate you, that? Yes, that's an interesting one. So I guess um, the thing that I like to do is get the clients to pull together a lot of images of things that they like and probably from Pinterest and old magazines, and I have a huge collection of old magazines that I send out to clients that they can pull inspiration from. And then we start to look at what it actually is in those images that they really like. So is it the thing that's on trend or is it the fact that they really enjoy colour or is it a particular shape that keeps appearing or is it a child's um, backsplash or is it the colour that keeps coming in? So you start to see patterns um, emerge with the large amount of pictures that they provide you and then it's about getting behind that and explaining that while the trend is the vessel to get this in your existence, it's not actually the thing you're attracted to. What you're attracted to is 
this concept and then you can see it displayed in all of these ways. So once they've understood that, it's easier to get them on board with a unique design. I also like to explain to people that they don't want an interior designer to come in and give them what everyone else has. That's a missed opportunity. If they're paying for me to be there, then they want something that's truly unique to them. So let's try and find that rather than just what they've seen in a magazine. And I think that's important, being unique as well. You know, you don't want to just be like the magazines or no. do you? No, you don't. I, well, I don't think you do and I don't enjoy working with people that, that want the thing because they've seen it in the magazine and they need to f- they feel like they're keeping up. Um, and I think it comes back to that real core value of sustainability that I have, um, which I bring to CVT, but also to my design. I just want people to be happy with what they've got for the longest period of time possible. I don't want it to go in the bin in 12 months' time because it's clearly not in a trendy thing to have anymore or they have a desire to have something that is trendy just because that's the way that we've all been programmed to want the next thing. And if you do have a, a home that's completely 100% you and how you want to express yourself and live, then that desire goes away. Do you find that there's, um, you know, I've done some studies on like, I guess, basic human needs, mm-hmm. um, which is a way we feel and, you yep. know, we, we want to feel certainty and things like that. Do you find that in all design aspect that there's certain elements that are a must? Yeah, absolutely. So I really, um, and it's quite a trendy thing to be involved in at the moment, but I really like their um, biophilic design which is our innate desire to have a connection to nature. So that's seeing yep. something green out the window. That fills the need for safety. So if you are signaling to your brain that you have pasture and it's green and there's life, then you are cared for. So it reduces anxiety. Um, having a visual on some clean water, and that can be a water feature out of a window or that can be as simple as a carafe of water on a coffee table. If there's clean water, you're also signaling to yourself that you are cared for and nurtured. Um, and then having high-backed chairs against walls or things like that. So prospecting is definitely a huge uh, biological need that we have to be able to look out and um, survey our environment, and that needs to be done with a high-back chair because if you have a solid back behind you, then you know a predator can't attack. And that that squirrel brain, that primal brain is still definitely part of us. So you need to be able to perform that task in a safe environment. So if you have a look at um, like interior, like open plan living, um, big wide open spaces, and you have a think for our little introverted friends who can never relax because there's always something going on behind them. Like you've got your beautiful grey low-backed chair and you've got someone in the kitchen behind you while you're watching TV and you just feel the shoulders come up as the tension rises because you're never not on. That's not truly relaxing in that moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it's it's, um, interesting that these are things that I guess very little customers would even be thinking about when they come in looking for flooring or looking for Mm. interior design is these primal um, feelings mm. that they have, um, a sense of, I guess, feeling and at ease that, um, you know, we all desire, mm-hmm. but really don't know how to get it or what drives those type of things. Yeah. And, and it's a real yeah. emotion too. It's hard to put language on, so I don't even talk about it to the clients. I just incorporate it in everything that I do. It's throughout yeah. the showroom as well. We've always got a carafe of water on the table. There's um, large 
timber hanging on the walls. We've got some long uh, skinny boards and then we've got some um, larger scale boards. We've got uh, green, there's heaps of greenery in the showroom. We've got a transition of different floor surfaces but not like two or three planks and then the next colour and then the next colour. They're large enough to feel safe on. We've also got a raised stage area that we've um, put a different style of flooring on. So you've got your different heights and elevations and it looks a little bit like nature. If you squint your eyes and imagine, you could you could think that you were in a nice a nice part of the world. You've got to be a psychologist as well. Is that part of interior 50-50. design? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You hear about every single family problem. Yeah. You hear about mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and oh, the grandparents <laughs> and like it all comes out. You're completely 50% psychologist, 50% um, interior designer. Like you really get very intimate with the families that you Yeah, work I, I'd with. say you would. Like, yeah. In order to do your job properly, you'd, you'd have to, I guess, because you, you need to, to yeah. get into the nitty-gritty, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, incredible. It blows me away. I don't know how you do it. I have enough trouble with my own family. <laughs> so, so it's what easier is the pro- to deal with other people's. Good point. Good point. One hundred percent. But then we're, our families are all crazy. Yeah, it's just all different levels of yeah, crazy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, what does the process look like? A customer comes in uh, to CVT flooring. Yes. And what does the process look like for them? Okay, so they come in, they're either coming in with a really strong idea about what they want or they've got no idea what they want. Um, So we sort of just walk around the showroom, I give them a tour, but I don't really point out anything in particular. I tend to, when I do that, I touch the flooring a lot to signal to the customers that it's okay to touch the flooring. And then I sort of stand back and have a general chit chat and I watch what they're touching and there'll be very consistent um, gravitational pull towards a particular color or a particular texture or something going on that I'll be able to pick up on. So then I'll have that in my mind and I'm watching both him and her (laughs) pick different flooring thinking this is going to be interesting <laughs> but sometimes they're already in agreeance or sometimes it's very clear like one party just doesn't care and the other one does so p- picking up on all of those things because that that uh, helps navigate um the entire relationship moving forward if if one person is absolutely in control then bringing the other person in, into the conversation just to create a bit of tension between the couple so yep. just talk to the person who's decision-making. Yeah. So a few little things like that. So then I'll um, ask a whole bunch of questions about how they live, where they live, do they have pets, do they have children, how do they use the house, are they issues on inside family or like just try and get as much information as I can about what they are doing and then I'll give them the different options that are going to suit their needs. There's no point in um, offering a flooring option that's really not appropriate for their lifestyle. Yeah. So then we'll choose one flooring, whatever they've come in for. Sometimes it's just flooring, sometimes it's just carpet, but I'll make sure that we've pulled out some samples so they can see how it works with other elements in their home. And then we'll we'll, um, get a spec sheet as well when they leave and they can take photos and um, we send everyone away with samples so they can continue on and, and choose all of their furniture and whatever they're doing. Um, but, yeah, lots of questions asked. So do you um, do you offer like an in-home service or is yep. it all done just in the shop or how initial, does that initial is done in the shop 
yep. and then I'll come out and and measure and bring the samples in the in the home just to make sure it does go with their existing furniture pieces and make sure they're happy with it in the, in their light. Everyone's homes look a little bit different. Um, different windows, different directions, all throw different coloured lights. So if there's something outside that's reflecting a huge amount of red light into the room, then it's going to look different than it does in the showroom. So, yep, definitely take samples out when we're doing the measure and quote just so they're 100% happy with what they've got. And it's just about for us building that that confidence and that trust and through education. So at that point, um, mm-hmm. you walk into someone's home, you're mortally horrified by uh the way their home looks <laughs> so everyone's more horrified by the way their home looks than i'm ever worried about how their home looks um i do have to tell most people that all of our carpet most of our carpet jobs are for rentals so like they can't surprise me with anything i've seen it all some bright orange carpet yeah yep yep green green kitchens yep um so at that point, you're going in, particularly you're just going there for the, I guess, initially the flooring. That's what they've come to you for. Yeah. Um, how do you then extend that into, I guess, window coverings and offering, you know, any other advice? Is that also something that you do while you're there about, Yeah, that'll I guess, all, all happen in the showroom. So we'll start that conversation in the showroom. So I'll say, okay, this is the carpet that you've been, that you've been attracted to. So we'll um, put that down. We'll also get some car- carpet or some timber floors and we'll give you some options here and just so you can get a full visual of what that looks like I'm just going to pull over some um, sheer fabrics this is the sort of colors that work and then ask about if they like colored walls some people have like light green walls some people have cream walls so we bring out some samples of uh, paint as well so we pull it all together um, so they can see how it looks and then when I come into their home that's usually if they're interested in getting curtains and blinds that's where they'll they'll ask about what I would what I would do in each room and how to make that work. So we don't actually do the curtains and blinds ourselves. We've left that completely. Um, we've got a, a curtains and blinds company that we work with yep. and we trust um, and they do a good job because I can't be an expert in it all. Yes. I can't know all of the things. So I've chosen just to specialise in the flooring and then we just handball the curtains and blinds mm. to the curtains and blinds business. Um, Yep. But I give them a guide of what fabrics they've chosen already so they can work from that. So if that fabric's not in their price range, then at least they know what colour it is and they compare the samples on site. So the customer's confident that we're working from um, the same place. Hmm. And I think that's, you know, it's an important part of our business as well is, you know, not trying to do everything. Um, you know, Matt and his team here at Straight Up Digital do our marketing because they do that really well. You know, we focus on on flooring. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we've got a cleaning product companies and things like that that we refer. So I think, you know, that's also an important part of a, a great business mm. is not trying to do everything, but have business partners that can then complement what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's also it's, it's also oh sorry sorry I was just going to say it's also very difficult like trust is a huge thing right so yeah. you know you're putting you're putting your name out and if you're recommending someone then they better do a good job right oh, absolutely like, yeah yeah one hundred percent you know and it's the being- same with contractors I think that's where our biggest stress maybe is like we can do the most amazing job of selling the product. But when it comes to install day, 
the attitude of the person actually installing yeah. it can make or break that relationship. Like they've, we've set ourselves up to deliver at a very high standard. So if we fall short of that on install day, then it's a problem for me. <laughs> so uh, that's a good, actually a little good segue there about installation because we're, we're very big here on, on the underlay about installation and about apprentices and mm-hmm. and you know floor layers and and the people that actually do the, the you know the the coal face right on the yep. coal face right yeah because you're right it is the last point of contact you have with the client and it's the most important part right? it's bringing it all to, it brings to it all life. together brings yeah. it all it together does. Right? it brings it all together there's high expectations and it's the most stressful part when you ask anyone to to shovel all of their furniture to one side of their house mm. Um, and literally empty every single cupboard that you're moving. It's it's a huge deal. Yeah. So yeah. So do you, do you have a trusted team of of installers that you go to, or? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, it's taken a while to figure that out. You have to. You, well, you've got to give people a go. Yeah. You've got to give them some feedback, and then I've <laughs> <laughs> got to give them an opportunity to do better, right? So yeah. I don't. Yeah. I would never just cut someone off because they had a bad day. They need yeah. to know what the benchmark is and try and work with them. But, yeah, it, it's a, it's been the biggest challenge, I think, it, and maybe because I'm a bit of a control freak and it's the first time that it's left my hands and I'm trusting somebody else to do it. Um, I think I hold myself to a higher standard than I hold anyone else, though. So when it doesn't meet the expectation that I have, I have to look at why. Yeah, it's funny. My dad was like that. My dad used to hold himself to such a standard, but he expected that everyone would be at that standard. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes I think you need to chill on that a little bit as well and go, uh, yeah, my standards are over the over the mean or yeah. the median. And, yeah. uh, and is that good enough? Is that acceptable? And I think that yeah, my dad could never quite get there. He was a real yeah. pain in the ass when he wanted to be. But uh, – but I think you're right. I think that – but if you have those standards and you can try and impart those standards onto people, at least they know where the line is yeah. and where they can Absolutely. get to. I think that's really important. And I think that uh, if you're going to trust someone with, with your business and with your name and, and with your clients, that they, they have to work to your level. They have to work mm. to your standard. It can't just be a run-of-the-mill job. It's got to be your standard. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's been the biggest challenge, I would say, in the whole operation. And I think that you know you're not alone. I think that is the that's the biggest hurdle in the flooring industry. I think mm. it's installation. I think it's it's uh, trained professionals. It's you know, and we talk about it all the time. We've like I reckon we've sixty percent of our episodes have revolved around uh, uh, installation, flooring installation, mm. and yeah. and how to better the the education within the industry about floor laying and yeah. and apprentices and and and, yeah. and making sure that it's 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 because it's a growing trade. Yes, but making sure yes, there's enough people going into it that, so that it can continue. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think you're right there. It's about um, you know a lot of it. I think is expressing our expectations to the contractors. For a long time, we've just assumed that they know mm. what we want. Yeah. They assume as I guess suppliers that they know our installation guides. So mm. I guess as a whole industry. Um, you know, you can really see this drive now from, you know, mm-hmm. stores, um, suppliers, all the educators are really now getting behind these contractors mm-hmm. and bringing them up to that level of expectation that I guess our clients desire. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing that I see with 
installers is it's not ever about their skill. It's always about attitude Mm -hmm. and a perceived lack of control. So they just plot along angrily moaning about the conditions that they find themselves in for whatever day, the floor's not doing what it should do, the glue's not doing right, the whatever it is, the underlay has a crease in it, like whatever problem they could possibly have. Yeah. But at no point in any of these conversations have I found many contractors come to me with a solution. Uh-huh. Like I'm not a qualified floor installer. I've not installed anywhere. Like I've not installed a floor. So not even comparing to what they've done, they've done hundreds. So I I struggle to believe that it's the first and only time they've ever seen anything like this before or heard of anything like this before. So when I'm asking for solutions, it's because I'm trusting them as the expert. What would they do in this situation? What do they recommend? I'm not going to tell them what to do because that's outside of my wheelhouse. But the stunned look when you ask someone what to do or when you try and stop the spiral of negativity to start coming up with solutions so we can move forward, it, it always surprises me that that's what, what I'm working with. That is probably one of the best statements out of all our podcasts that I've had anyone say about okay. contractors. I'll have that in a sound bite then, please. Yeah, uh, that'll, be, that'll be the real. Because you're right, 100% all what we do talk about on this podcast has been, I guess, the education around the process. But you're right, the attitude is what no one's speaking about. And the fact that these guys are getting paid for their professional um, skills and paid well. Yes, you're right, they are paid well. But yet when there is a problem, you, the shop owner, which is an interior designer, Mm-hmm. Me, the supplier, which produces products, yep. are the ones they come to to solve their installation issues. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. well, it's, it's all a, care, no responsibility, right? Yeah, it's a so big problem, it, and it goes both ways. Like I was saying to an installer the other day, like you could do whatever you want, but who's the supplier going to blame? Who's the glue manufacturer going to blame? And who is the store going to blame when? this doesn't work because we're all coming at you and I'm here standing with you as your partner today yep. trying to solve the problem before it becomes a huge problem because I don't want to put you in the position that I'm the one that's blaming you. Mm. And that was like, I just don't think he's ever heard that before. Like I was just getting so much resistance when I'm trying to partner with that installer. Yeah. And yeah. A brick layer, if a brick wall falls down, mm. it doesn't ring up and say, oh, the bricks are faulty. No. Or, you know, the mud wasn't wet mm. enough or, you know, like he takes responsibility. His exactly. job was to build that wall to stand up. So mm. we, we, is it, we spoke earlier, you sp- Emma spoke earlier in the podcast about, I guess, bucking the trend, yeah. uh, about going against the grain. And is this just something that has always happened where the, the installers, because they were a bit of a dearth, like there's not a heap of them, yeah. Right. Where it was softly, softly with them because we can't piss off the installers, right? We can't actually tell it like it is because, oh, they may not work for us or they may not do that. And it's gotten to the point now where it's like, mate, there's got to be some responsibility taken here. Yeah. Mm. I think that and- it's a generational thing, to be honest. Yeah. I think that when I look at Trent, who laid for, he's got 20 years of carpet laying experience. So he started his apprenticeship when he was 15. And 
you look at the people that have worked with him, the older guys, and the attitude of the older guys because they they are needed and that is hard to find a good layer and they know that they are. Um, we, we can't annoy them because we'll lose them and that's a problem yeah. for our business. It does create this attitude. And then the younger people I feel are in this really awkward position between this old school apprenticeship, like rough and tumble, um, like almost like a boomer mentality when it comes to how we treat people versus how the world actually is now. And they're trying to navigate that themselves, but they're trying to navigate that from a place of um, limited experience outside of floor laying. So mm. they don't actually have the resources to pull on of how would this have happened in an office or how would this have happened yeah. in a school environment or how would this have happened anywhere else where negotiation is the norm and partnership and alliance is the norm. They've only ever got it from the context of laying floors, which is, okay, well, you've stuffed up, so we're not going to pay you and we're also not going to give you any more work. But see, a lot of these guys haven't chased the work. They're given It's given to them on a platter. Well, it's come easy right? because there's like, not many. They turn up right? to the shop. Mm. We, you know, the store owners uh, go and get the job, get all the payments, do all that and say, here you mm -hmm. go, turn up tomorrow and I'll give you the flooring and give you the job. Yep. So they haven't had the pain of actually going out and sourcing the work. No. Um, I remember like when we started flooring, and this is, you know, one of the, I'll give, um, you know, Harimba Tim is where I started for five years and we would be embarrassed to ring a supplier and say, hey, there's a problem as an installation team. You know, we used to factor in one day every month to go out and just have a spare day for repairs or alterations or, you know, this is a moving product and things need changing or need altering. So we really made it, you know, we were the installers. We took it on that if there was any problems with the floor, it was something that we didn't do right. Mm. You know, and that's the way our mindset was as a business organization running installation teams was yeah. it was our obligation to get that floor installed right. It was our yeah. obligation to know the environment, to know the way that, you know, the floor's going to move, to know where the sun's coming in, to do all that site inspection before we started, predict if there's going to be any rising damp or, you know, all these issues that, you know, we're out inspecting regularly yeah. within mm. any homes or any building. You had to know all that first. Then, one, well, then once you've done your site inspection, then it's like, okay, we're going to lay it here. And we may have to switch it, even though the designer in the, in the showroom said, hey, you know, there's no need for trims or there's no need for this. Mm. On site, we'd have to switch on certain occasions because we just knew the way of the site inspection was going to mean that the floor mm -hmm. would perform better. Now, ultimately, yes, there's the visual aspect of how it looks, but ultimately it's how it's going to perform. Absolutely, because the yeah. visuals don't matter if in a year's time your <laughs> floors are buckled. Like the aesthetics of that is far worse than a trim. And I think trims are like tr trims are, are scary for people. I think that they put so much emphasis on having a trim because they're all after this seamless floor look. But it's a bit like a PowerPoint, right? Yep. Everyone's got them. You know they're there and your brain doesn't focus on them. They're normal. Correct. So a trim is fine. You just you don't even see it. Yeah, and especially but, yeah. all the color matching trims and all that that we exactly. do now. Um, yeah. You know, but, perform. Yeah. You know, even driveways have expansion gap. We, you know, we yeah. speak about this so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're right, you know, and it, it just sort of really triggered when you said that, you know, it's about the attitude and the accountability. Mm -hmm. It's um, accountability, but also in that, that what you just described, there was a real growth mindset. So, what do we need to do and what could we do better <laughs> next time? 
Yeah. It's not a, I stuffed it up. This is the end of the world. Like I'm such a bad person. There was none of that mindset. There's none of this um, defeatist mindset, which I see. It's all about growth and opportunity to learn. So take in as much data as we can so we can do the best job. And if it didn't go how we thought it was going to go, because we are working with a lot of elements and, and nature and and all of those things, like what was on the floor beforehand. Like sometimes it's not going to go to plan, even if we have the best plan. Yep. What can we do differently next time or what can we do to overcome this now? Like it's Yeah. That, and I think that as the whole industry, that's what we're yeah. all you know, we're all gonna strive for. And again, yeah. you pull the carpet up, you don't know there's a big hump underneath that carpet that now needs leveling or grinding and mm. You know, yeah, it's upsetting for the customer because it's now a two thousand or three thousand dollar cost that they didn't know about. But if it's all mm. spoken about at the beginning and they're actually aware that hey, we can only assess what we can yeah. see, yeah. and during the process things are going to change. I think mm. a lot of people are too scared to talk to the customer about the change. Exactly. Um, and if it was any other trade coming in, it wouldn't be a concern. It only seems to be unique to the flooring industry. If an electrician comes in to install a PowerPoint and finds that your wires are all frayed or too old or your switchboard needs upgraded, you go, okay, that's a $3,000 expense. And they go, okay, thank you. Yeah, and it has to be done. It has to be done. It's a no-brainer. So, yeah. 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 And I think it's a fear thing. I think it totally, from being in this industry for nearly 20 years now, I think it's totally a fear thing. We're we're so fearful of losing a sale or fearful of explaining that to the customer that when you do and you see, you know, successful businesses that overcome that fear and actually Mm. do explain it, they're the ones that I find, you know, are our customers who are most successful because they go through that whole process. They set that expectation that, you know, when we do pull the floor up, there is going to be things under there that we can't see. Mm, uh, that when the installers come in, they may change the way that we've all set it because they're the professionals. Mm. Um, so I think if we, as an industry, can get over that fear of not discussing all these additional um, changes yep. that will happen through the process, you're right. Customers expect it because they do have sparkies. They've got plumbers. Yep. They've got all these other trades that come in. You know, jib rockers, you pull the jib rock down and, all. you know, you got termites in your wall mm. you've got to change the battens it's yeah. you know you can't go oh you know you didn't tell Should me about, right. yeah you didn't tell me about the battens i'm not paying for that just plaster mm. over it it just mm. doesn't happen yeah do you think it's because the floors are the last things to happen they're already at the end of the budget the budget's already stretched it's already tight and you can live without a floor service for a year or two if you need to like 100 percent. but it's i think one it's a mindset that we also yeah. put in that we're at the end and you know i think people have money Ultimately, mm. you know, people are out buying new cars, people are out buying luxury items mm-hmm. that to skimp on maybe an extra thousand dollars to do the floor right. Yeah. I think it's an injustice. I agree. So it's purely just mental, you know, it's, it's our own. It's our own fear within mm. the industry of doing it right and charging for what that's worth. And ultimately, yeah. it's not end- even about. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, ultimately, the end customer wins. You know, we think that by stinging them that extra $1,000 to do it right, they're going to lose. But ultimately, they're going to win because they don't have a problem in 12 months' time and have to have their floor pulled back up and spend even more money. It's not even about stinging them that $1,000. It's about not ripping them off that $18,000 that you're about to charge them when you know you're doing a dodgy job. 100, yeah. 
Well, it just comes back to education, right? Mm. So information and education. If you if you educate the client and educate the the end user to the process, mm-hmm. how to do it properly, so that they get longevity out of their product, then then sure that that extra thousand dollars is it doesn't mean anything, right? It's you're right. It's like an insurance policy, right? Where you're paying it, it's going to be done right. And I'm going to get X amount of time out of my floors. It's not a problem. So it just comes back to education, and that's I guess yep. that's part of your process. That you know when the cl- client comes in that you give them that information so that they make the right choice, which if we could get that across the industry, then there'd be far less issues with the industry in general. Mm. I just put it to the customer simply, if you can't afford floor preparation, you actually can't afford a floor. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You don't get a painter in and not do the jib rock work first. He doesn't paint over all the putty holes and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been an amazing, it's 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 an hour. And and I know, Emma, you've probably got, People to boss around, <laughs> or bro- brothers. Anyway. Well, at least your brother, anyway. Uh, he, hopefully, he's outlaying some carpet. He know? is actually outlaying yeah. carpet today. Yeah, he's not what impressed a good about bloke. it. What he a likes good to bloke. be an office worker now, but no, he's outlaying <laughs> floors. <laughs> Look, we do something special here on the underlay. It's called the the Clever Choice Fast Five, and we're just going to ask you five quick fire uh, questions. Oh gosh, and you get your you get your answer to it. So, okay, we're going to start with uh, beach or bush. What do you prefer? Bush. Bush, of course. Okay, one food for the rest of your life. Oh. Oh, poached eggs. Oh, yeah. Oh, first time. First time we've had that one. Okay, uh, traveling, home or away? Holiday. Home. Yeah, okay. That is actually our most popular answer is home. Yeah. Uh, one movie for the rest of your life. Oh, gosh. Back to the Future 2. Oh, good call. Like that. That is a classic. I reckon I've watched that movie over 100 times. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, Okay. How do you relax? What do you do to relax? I don't relax. (laughs) (laughs) Honesty. Look, we we strive for honesty here on the the underlay. We've just got it. You don't relax. That must be a joy. You must be a joy to be around, Emma. She looks Maybe. quite relaxed. I reckon you've been. I reckon this is what you do to relax. I reckon talking to people. That's when you're at your. That's when Maybe. you're at your best. That's yeah. when you're at your best. Look, Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the podcast. People, if you're down in the Yarra Valley near Lilydale, pop in and see CVT Flooring. If for nothing else, they are wedged in between two microbreweries. Yes. So if things don't go well, you can go and have a beer. If things go really well, you can celebrate. Yes. You can do a pub crawl. We right. call it husband babysitting as well while the uh... – Yes, oh, perfect. So all the husbands yeah. can just go sit in the microbrewery. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, the real work's done in the- And he turns up and goes, how the hell did we get this? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Six schooners. Right, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, guys, we'll leave all the details for the store in the show notes. Please reach out to Emma. It's a one-stop shop. She sounds exactly like she knows what she's talking about, which is – a breath of fresh air. We love that. Yeah. Uh, go and see the guys at CVT Flooring. Emma, thanks so much for your time. We've really enjoyed thank it. You. Hopefully we can get you on again. I yeah, hope thanks, so. Emma. Yeah, I think oh, you've got plenty yeah. to say. I think you've got plenty to say, which is great. We love that. Uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's been great. Yep. Thank you very much and keep listening to The Underlay every two weeks. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, 
Follow us on all good podcast platforms.